Hello, I'm Zach, and I've been personally victimized by WeWork. My name's Caitlin, and I work. Oh, damn. I just, like, literally, I found out that we were talking about WeWork two minutes ago. So yep. I just want to give myself a little bit of credit for coming up with that iWork slogan. That is good. Don't sue us, Apple, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> we're going to... I work, I is with a capital I, so you can't, oh, gotcha. you can't come after me. <laughs> Fair, done. And uh, this is Manipulating the Masses. Yay. Don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. Bam, 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 bam. Okay. Today we will be looking at the value of building company culture. You and I have been focusing on company culture. Nice. And we're going to talk about that in the sense that company culture can actually increase a company's value to ridiculous soaring heights. And specifically, we're gonna be looking at the infamous rise and fall of the company WeWork. Okay, Caitlin, I say the name WeWork, what comes to your head, branding expert? What are you, uh, what do you think of when I say WeWork? Man, I've seen, I, I'm kind of fascinated by this whole WeWork story. So I've actually seen a lot of documentaries on this, but um, so first thing that comes to my mind is their startup culture, their startup life, their offices that they created, their parties, fucking, his name's Adam, right? Mm-hmm, Adam yeah. Newman. Adam mm -hmm. Newman and his wifey, and they're just like godlike egos. I picture Adam in The Last Supper. Yeah, he does have that vibe. Yeah. Well, he's he's Israeli, so he would fit in in The Last Supper, you know? Yeah. It was he he would get in there. Okay, so um what do you mean by startup culture? Totally. I mean, I see a startup when I think startup, I go to, "Oh, they must have a kombucha keg." Oh, <laughs> they definitely have bean bags around the office oh they have a ping pong table and this mm. this startup life oh and everyone's like riding around on hoverboards oh and it's like there was this one. there was this very small era of like the tech boom where everyone was doing startups and you had to just create like this fucking millennial culture where it's like hey we're not like other corporate companies we're cool come hoverboard around with us and work for google.com we're the latest and yeah greatest. and it turns out that they'll work you a hundred hours a work week and pay you fifty thousand dollars <laughs> but you get free kombucha yeah so that's what well i think when i think startup why do you think that happened? They were playing into this these millennials, this idea of a millennial that everyone had in their their head was just like, oh, these millennials are trying to break break down barriers by not working nine to fives and kind of, you know, creating their own lifestyle. Yeah. And they're not subscribing to the typical, you know, they bounce around from job to job to job. So we really need to change up company culture because they're not subscribing to what used to be company culture. And so now the new era is just like, oh, let's just put in a ping pong table and call it good. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. brush dirt off our shoulders and we're fine. But uh, they didn't pay you anymore. They didn't, they, they treated you like shit. Worked your ass off. Um, I, because I, I think you hit on the point that I'm going to talk about with company culture too, is it's 
WeWork used it to build their valuation, right? They had a huge company valuation and we'll go into that. And that was the crux. So there's two sides of it. There's the owner company culture as an mm -hmm. owner to utilize company culture to build a valuation of your company. But also I think company culture is a recruitment tool, right? And that's why they did it. You touched on it. They wanted to get millennials. They wanted to get young, eager yeah. people working for their company. So they used it as a recruitment tool. And I think the last piece of that is where do you see you, you both of us kind of talk about that company culture we've been in it and it's you know glitzy on the outside shitty on the inside so where do you see as this next generation comes in this gen zer starts really entering the workforce how do you see that culture transitioning to try to recruit those young people like what's happening now Okay, so I think it levels back a little bit. So we went from a super dry, you know, they work in cubicles yeah. era of corporate. And then we went so far in the opposite direction where it's like, yeah, let's put in like, I don't know. You, I mean, I just, I said it, I don't mean to be redundant, but yeah, let's get a kombucha keg in here. Yeah, let's give them yeah. Friday lunches and a ping pong table or whatever. And I really see, but they didn't change the actual work life balance and that's what we as millennials who are now starting to own companies are starting to experience right now is like we're fucking tapped like we're burnt out we've had mental breakdowns like the work-life balance wasn't there so yes they offered us kombucha at lunchtime yep. and tequila yep. shots at 5 p.m but like we were all overworked and underpaid so i yep. see the lever actually kind of going back a little bit where it's like yeah, we can create a cool environment, but you know what? We're and this is what our company started to do is we're offering paid mental health days now because that's what we value. We don't mm -hmm. value a bouncy castle in the backyard <laughs> and a pizza party on a Thursday. It's like we want we want time off. We want time off. We want our space. Like work is not our identity. And I think yes. Gen Z is going to have a big say in that as well. Yeah, I love that. And you hit on my other piece and we'll be talking about this is I think the next iteration as well is company culture has to end somewhere. And this is where I think oh. we work went wrong, right? Company culture should be confined to the company, yeah. but it needs to end and you can have your own life and your own thing. Yeah. Like the, I think where companies went wrong in our age was they tried to make the company your whole culture, right? They tried to encompass your Man. free time, your extra time and your work life. Like Man. they tried to- you are so right. Yeah, so I think there needs to be a line and that's what you and I are doing with the mental health days. We're like, hey, you still get paid. This is part of your work, but do whatever the fuck you want for the day, you know? Like go do something, live your life and you still get paid. And that way we it's creating separation. That is such an aha moment for me, Zach. That was a really aha moment was this the, the startup environment that those companies created was we want you to be here from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. because we're creating such a cool hangout spot. We want you yep. to hang out, live, breathe, sleep, work next to your coworkers and then be your whole life what we are encouraging and the next generation of corporations i hope and i hope we at mmp lead that is yes we want you to enjoy your time when you work here but yep. we only want you working six to eight hours a day like yep. 
that's it. And then go yep. have time with your spouse and your kids and take them to soccer practice. Um, mm -hmm. Wow, that was I an agree. aha moment for me. Thank you. No problem. I had it while I was writing this. So <laughs> I'm glad that you read because I was like, oh, that was that this is what went wrong. So I think this what led me to it was really this analysis of WeWork because to round this out, it WeWork rose just a rapid rise and they really built it on company culture. And that was with their valuation and their company culture stemmed down from their CEO, Adam Newman. Like he, he permeated that culture. It's, it was branded and that's why people were buying into the WeWork model. So let's, let's take this back to, I guess, 2015 business insider, an article I found for business insider said, wrote the article, how WeWork became one of the most valuable startups in New York. So 2015 WeWork is in its heyday. The article outlines that WeWork had at the time raised $969 million in funding and had a $10 billion valuation. And at this point, it's a private company. So it has a $10 billion valuation as a private company. And we work at the time in 2015 was generating revenue, which we see this in startup modes and tech, like you won't make revenue for the first 10 years, but you're raising a billion dollars in funding and you have this crazy valuation. We work at the time was making money and, and having this valuation. So it was looking great. But um, Adam Newman, who we talked about, permeated a culture that really sacrificed that model. Do you know a history on Adam with your, with your documentaries? Do you know kind of a little bit about it? They're making a movie. I don't know the name of the movie, but they're making a movie about him. Who's starring um, him doing... Oh, uh, Driver. Adam Driver, isn't it? Is it Adam Driver or is it Jared Leto? Well, now I have to look. Yeah, Excuse now we got to We got to get... We get actual facts wrong all the time on this podcast, but when it comes to who's playing what role in an upcoming movie, we will never lead our listeners astray. We don't fuck that around is, with mm, uh, celebrity culture. Nope. Mm -mm, mm -mm. If we're going to say something about a celebrity, businesses are fine. We'll say wrong things all the time, but celebrities, uh-uh. That is, that is important news that we need to cover and get you the facts. Adam Newman, Ashton Kutcher. No, Ashton Kutcher is not playing Adam Newman. Again, he gets to start. <laughs> he played fucking Steve Jobs. He did. No, I got Jared Leto. Where are you getting? I'm a better Googler than you. What did you Google? WeWork or the making and breaking of a 47 billion unicorn so i maybe there's I, a couple there might be a couple because i googled who is playing adam newman and in you have new jared movie. leto and i have jared anne hathaway leto. with anne hathaway yes that's you're right, exactly you're right. right jared you're right. leto anne hathaway okay um well very important tangent in regards to this story was the most important fact you will take away from this podcast <laughs> Jared Leto um, is, and Anna Hathaway Jared will be Leto. starring in a WeWork. Okay. Yeah, because he, I mean, they made a movie for a reason because he was the center of this. You know, they had a huge valuation and he was permeating this culture. And a little background on Adam is uh, he was a military officer from Israel, moved to the U.S. in 2001. And uh, while working in New York, he started a baby clothes company called Crawlers which had pads in the knees and elbows area. Great idea. Which I didn't know, not bad. Um, he was working hard, the, the store was doing all right, not crazy, but it wasn't the level that Adam wanted, right? And eventually he met his business partner, Miguel McKelvey. Um, so they had this idea and in 20, 2008, uh, the duo started Green Deck, which was a one floor rentable office space. You could rent a desk 
and that's it was essentially it and green desk quickly took off but the duo sold the business to their landlord in the building for quote a couple million so i wanted to ask you this question we run a business together it's doing well-ish you know i don't want to brag too much we, we could say well it's doing well it's right re- don't undercut yourself we're I'm, turning the profit let's say that yeah we're turning a big profit yeah we're making a lot of revenue would you like you know it was our first year last year it's taking off it's doing well similar to these guys at green deck would you sell a company if somebody approached you for a couple million and then what's better for you i guess the real question is starting a company just like these two did we started a company what's more important to you is it legacy or is it money i'm getting philosophical i know it and this is a great question because I wanted my last name in that was a make or break deal for me was my (laughs) last name has to be in that because I'm a woman too. Like I got married on a state on a, you know, government level. I changed my last name, but my legacy is with my maiden name, McMillan. So Mm -hmm. I do want legacy. I want people to know my name, but I also want money. So you really (laughs) asked me a very difficult question. I think to get to the basic, the short answer would be like, you're never in my idea. It's yes to get bought. It's to get bought by millions of dollars by a larger agency. We need to compete just, uh, big enough. Or what am I trying to say? We need to be a competitor and kind of be biting on the heels of these big dogs just enough to where they see us as a threat and they'll buy us out because we're poaching clients or, you know, whatever it is. I think there's so many bigger legacies out there, like, you know, big name agencies that it's hard to compete at that level. So the idea is to always just get bought out. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but so here's, here's the trick question that I'm going to ask you. Let's say you get an offer to be bought out a reasonable offer. We, I won't put a number on it, but you got to get rid of the McMillan and Phillips brand name. So you lose the legacy. Where, Where do you stand? It like, is it just you ask for more money? Is there a certain, there's a price for everything, right? Or is Everyone that has their price. Okay. I, I agree. Like, you know, you know me, I'm, I love to leave a legacy. I love that, but put some cash in my bank account. I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then start um, your next thing. And there's always exactly. something else brewing in the back. So, you know. Just like Adam Newman. I mean, he started baby clothes and ended in WeWork. So, you know, you're not confined to one thing. So bringing it back to Adam, he was quoted as saying in this business article, within a week of running Green Door, we realized that green should be a part of everything we do, but community is the future of work. So that was the inspiration behind WeWork, really building a community in the workspace. And I'm going to toss it back to you now. My question is, we run a fully remote agency. Mm -hmm. We're all remote. You're in Nevada. I'm in Illinois. We have people in North Carolina and Tennessee. We have people all over the place. A, do you agree that the future of work is community? And B, if it is, then how do you see that working in a post-pandemic life? Like so many people are remote. Like how do you build community while being isolated? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yes, I actually agree. Like I'm nodding my head. Like I like the foundation of WeWork because work is isolating. You don't want to have to like get up and drag your ass to the office and then like hate what you do and hate who Mm. you work with. Like that's a huge part of your day and your life and you need to feel like you're a part of something bigger. So I think that's, yes, I agree with that foundation. Um, In the remote world for us, we, it's about consistent meetings and I hate to say that, but like our meeting schedule is chock full and it drives me absolutely crazy and it's tiring and exhausting, but it's really important to check in with people and make sure that you are having, and not only having conversations about work, but like asking about their weekend and being like, Hey, let's just shoot the shit for half an hour. I don't care if we don't get anything done. Um, so sometimes it's draining and maybe you and I haven't found a great balance between meeting schedules, but Ah. I think that's kind of the future of it is making sure you're checking in. I mean, and also I have to plug, like you found a software called Gather and it's remote workspace. And at first it was ridiculous. I laughed every single time I popped in and now I can't get away from it. I love it. I love being able to just walk up to someone's desk, ask them a quick question and then leave. And then you can yep. also create like your own office, which I love my virtual office more than I love my <laughs> real office. Like, let's be- uh I thought that was like a massive find for us at yeah. least. Like I love it so much. So I think that's kind of the future is just being able to check. You have to check in with people. Yes. What yes. do you think? I, Did I go off on a tangent? I no, can't tell. you hit exactly what I was going to say. I mean, okay. shout out gather, but the, the angle that I was going to take is this is a new we're entering post pandemic is yeah. a new world, right? Yeah. So innovation is going to be key, yeah. right? Like I think an old model like you got to just constantly be trying new things of ways to interact with people because that's, that's how it's going to be. You know, it's going to always be virtual now. Um, because there was good things and bad things, right? You and I probably would have never been able to start a business together were it not for the pandemic, because we would be, you know, you'd be in Nevada, I'd be in Illinois, and we would just have to run our own ships from, you know, our respective areas because everybody wants to meet in person. And and Mm -hmm. like so many people are okay with video calls now that it has opened up a new realm of business for us. Yeah, our, I agree. Our work style, like our personal work style really, really benefited our business model in the pandemic because everyone had was forced to switch to virtual and that was already what we were doing. Um, And so for those reasons, we've been able to build processes based off of something that the pandemic forced out of everybody. And, And I think that's why we're a little bit ahead of everybody else because everybody else built a process that was that was dependent on working next to someone physically in an office, mm-hmm. whereas ours is not dependent on that. And they have to restructure and reorg and start from scratch, whereas we we just get to build. And optimize. Yeah, and optimize. I I completely agree. So I think I you literally like that. Opt- I like the plug. optimize yeah. plug. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's on my brain. We're we're launching a lot of campaigns because we're we've built our remote processes. We can have we have clients all over the country, and you never yeah. have to leave your living room. It's amazing. Okay, so uh, I love that talk about like what's the future of work community because I do think Newman had a point where you do need to build a community, but again, it needs to end 
somewhere like yeah. the, the work community yes. is not your only community right so we work as we know it today opens its doors in 2011 in new york city and uh in four years uh it had 54 co-working spaces in new york boston philadelphia dc miami chicago austin berkeley san francisco la portland and seattle with international locations in london amsterdam and tel aviv uh, the interesting part of WeWork, you didn't work in a WeWork, right? Have mm -hmm. you ever worked in one? No. Yeah, I worked in one for a little bit. Um, the interesting thing about WeWork is it was these little rental office spaces that you could co-working space, but their clients ranged from like the typical you would think a startup would join WeWork, right? You can get a cheap office space. You have like all the perks of like trying to recruit people but it's not as much as actually renting a full office. Um, but it also was used by companies like American Express. So mm -hmm. it was this wide range of like very established big companies and startup culture. Why do you think knowing what you know about the WeWork culture, why do you think there was a draw for companies? Like oh. as, as a company, why do you think it was a draw for big and small, like the idea of it? Well, I'm actually just putting myself in. So I know what company you worked for when you were yeah. working in a WeWork. And I put yeah. myself in their shoes. And if they're expanding statewide and they are hiring employees by state, how easy is it for them to just Google WeWork and know that it's a reliable place to work? You know the cost, you know there's somebody maintaining it, you know all mm -hmm. of these things versus you have to send someone out, scope out an office space, set it all up yourself. Like WeWork is a package deal. So that is yeah. the most attractive thing especially if you're hiring your headquarters are let's say seattle but you're you're hiring all over the nation um yep. it's so attractive for you to just like you know you go back to what is your time worth do i want to go and fly to nevada and scope out an office space design it by a desk by internet by all that shit? no i want a package deal i just want to go to WeWork and click Yes, I want month to yep. month rate. So yep. uh, that's I my agree. answer to that. I agree. And you had the added like recruiting culture because when I chose, I was like the state director and I chose the WeWork because I knew I would get great employees like applying for our jobs, like people that wanted to do cool stuff, you know? Um, so did, I think did it was a, you know? Uh, well, it was, it was the cannabis industry. So you just, you're expected to get some fucking weird people uh either way it doesn't matter where your office is in that point at that point yeah yeah you just sent me down a mini trauma avenue down there i'm like trying to like bounce back i'm like yeah. oh shit let's yeah. get you back let's get you out yeah of man um so like we work as an office space uh built a mini empire it was great because you're right i think you're right like the allure of a business to buy into we work you hit the nail on the head like that was an easy buy for people like that makes sense as a business culture right but in 2016 is when the tables start to turn and it all begins with the opening of WeWork's uh newest venture we live and the company created 250 micro apartments uh -oh. which are basically glorified dorm rooms in new york city uh following the office style like uh building that led to their success so it was apartment buildings with like a keg and a hangout room. It was essentially a glorified dorm. 
Wow. And there was many complaints. There's many issues. I won't even, I, we don't have time to get into all of them, but it wasn't so much like a business move for WeWork being like, Hey, there's an opportunity in the rental space for apartments too. As much it was as it was a move by Newman, because he saw himself as a company culture visionary. Rather than renting desks, Newman's vision became creating something that encompasses all people's lives, which we talked about, both the physical and the digital world. Uh, even prior to the WeWork success, uh, Newman had like visions for We Sleep or We Sail and uh, We Bank, yeah. which is like he he saw this company culture, this brand as permeating every aspect of people's lives what are your thoughts on that like yeah from what i remember we work became just we and yes. that was when he started Correct. to kind of branch off all of these legs and as we just discussed like it's a it's so dangerous to put all your eggs in one basket not for newman but for an employee like you yes. need separation you cannot wrap your identity into what you do with your life like you need to have okay this is my career but then i'm also these are my hobbies and these are my friends that i hang out with that are and you need to separate those things or it's dangerous for your psyche. It's, yes. it's a dark, dark place to just live, work, and breathe the same people and the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think we answered like, where does company culture end for employees? My next question for you is as a business owner, where does company culture end for the owner? Right? Are you, I mean, there's so many people, cough, cough, Gary V that say you need to live, breathe, think about this thing. If you're going to run a business, you need to be a 24 seven machine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Where does that end for owners? Like, do you have, or is it your life or yeah. it, are they right? And you have to just embody this company and you, because like, like Newman, your culture permeates throughout the company. Like you, you lead it, your, how you see the world and how you see work life permeates through the company. So where is a healthy boundary if there is any for an owner? Yeah, you touch on a really sensitive topic for us particular because we are so new and you and I are both workhorses and yeah. this company is our life and we live, breathe and do everything for this company. Um, and it's fun for us. That's the thing. It's, it's hard yeah. work. It's not for the week, but it is fun. But I mean, we just experienced this together yesterday. Like I had a total breakdown where I was like, I need space. Like mm -hmm. I am at, you need to, as a business owner, you need to recognize what your breaking point is. And while it's very difficult to separate your life from your business, you do need to do it at some point. And yeah. I think the nature of business ownership is you are going to want to live, breathe and die by your work because it is fun for you. This is, yeah. this is my hobby and this is my career. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how it should be. But you need to, separate yourself to some degree like and i i had this aha moment two days ago i finally got a chance to go to yoga and it was like this beautiful meditative experience for me and it was like i almost came out like super emotional and in tears because i was like my identity is wrapped up in m p and that's dangerous for me to be yeah. in. so hey i call mm -hmm. i like hit you up and i was like zach i just need a day off and you're like good take your space take your day off and i went i hit the mountains like i went skiing mm -hmm. um and so God, that was kind of a long-winded answer, but you naturally gravitate to you working 24 hours a day to your company. But yeah. 
I disagree that that should be what is required of you. It should be, that is what you're naturally going to do. And you need to force yourself to take breaks and to get yes. inspiration from any, from your hobbies, from your husband, from your yes. children, from your family. That's my opinion of it. And I think you totally agree, but I want to hear your input. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree that it should be a long winded answer too, because it's not something easily grappled with, right? Like there is just this, there's always this undercurrent in my mind of, of M and P of, of our business, always this undercurrent, right? Like you can never really, I'll be eating dinner and have an idea. <laughs> like it's always kind of there. It's just how much you feed into it. Right? Like it's, it, to me, it's, it's, it's important. You said like to have hobbies, to know your breaking point, to take your space when you need your space. Yeah. Right. Like not that's the perks of being the boss and the owner, in my opinion, is saying, hey, I know I had three meetings today. Can we rearrange these? I need some space. Yeah. And that's OK. Like you got to use your powers for yourself every now and then. It's just a, it's a difficult question to answer. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet is the answer. Yeah, I'm we have a hard time it. with work life balance. We have a hard time taking time off because, like I said, this is fun. Like, you know, you have an idea at dinner and then we have this virtual space where, you know, I'm like hanging out online and you pop into my virtual office and you're like, dude, I just got this crazy idea. Like, let mm -hmm. me run it by you. And we can banter off of that and ideate together for a couple of minutes. But then we need to learn how to put it to bed. Like, yeah. okay, that was yeah. fun. Let's, let's pick this up next week because we yeah. actually, like, I actually need to go to a girlfriend's birthday or, yes. you know, yes. so yeah, we yes. could ruminate on that idea and bounce ideas back and forth with each other until we're blue in the face. Like, to, we yeah. can do it till it's Sunday afternoon. We could sit here and talk to each other, but that you need to consciously put a stop to it and put it to bed um, yeah. or else you're not going to get any fresh ideas either. So we could talk about it till Sunday, but there's no new inspiration coming into our personal conversation. You need to get inspiration from talking to other people, from going to a birthday party, from going to skiing, from hiking mm -hmm. a mountain, from, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Walking to Dunkin' Donuts, I threw your, <laughs> I threw your hobby in there. <laughs> <laughs> you made mine sound so lame. Oh my god! You, wow, <laughs> it's the little things, Caitlin. Okay, it's I the know. little things. You're like that's how I clear my mind. I walk to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Uh, but that's where you gain get inspiration or, or you know, Agreed. it comes from all over. I mean, we do this so much that we were like, hey, we should probably start a podcast to try to uh, talk yeah. some of this out. And yeah. Here we yeah. are. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I, I love that answer. And the well, to summarize, the answer is never easy. And to bring it back to WeWork is it permeated and Adam had it's this dangerous. vision. It sounds yep, so yeah. unhealthy to me. Yeah, he had this vision to like that was his culture. He was the culture, right? Yeah, and it was it was the culture, which is why I think it got clients, right? Because of the WeWork culture could overlap a company culture, right? Like we could you could have this fun WeWork style culture, and but your business maybe American Express and it's very stuffy, but you work in this WeWork building, so you could kind of supplement your own company culture, which is why it worked. But mm -hmm. the actual like corporate we work employees you mentioned this were immersed in this culture too and it did not work um i mean newman threw like company alcohol like 
ridiculous amount of alcohol companies, summer camps, summer festivals, mm-hmm. massive parties. But the f- employees complained about, like you said, long work hours, weird asks that were not in their job description, all of this stuff. And not to mention sexual harassment. Let's not downplay that either. Newman was known to hotbox his office frequently. Uh, his wife allegedly fired people for their bad vibe. My favorite little tidbit was uh, a, they had a company-wide a company-wide meeting to announce layoffs. The meeting was then capped off with a performance by Run DMC, which just gives some weird vibes, right? Like you tell these people they're laid off, the laid off people go, and then Run DMC comes out to perform. I'm so uncomfortable even listening to that, let alone being in the room, let alone being the person to sign off on that idea. Uh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Yeah, that's got Newman written all over it. But believe it or not, the real problem started to emerge in 2019 when WeWork, or the company We that you had mentioned, uh, filed to go public on the stock market through an IPO, which was set to make, I mean, at a $20 billion valuation, was set to make a lot of money. Um, But in order to do that, you have to publish your company's financial records, which led to some alarming fines. Um, The company was valued in upwards of $25 billion, uh, but when potential investors went to look over the numbers, they found a a few things. Uh, First, the company was losing money, a lot of it. They, their profitability that they had had at the beginning was sacrificed for rapid expansion. They had, were building, we work places all over the place. Chicago, when I, now I have two within walking distance from where I'm at, two different ones. It's like, why, why do you need that? In fact, in 2017, they reported that we work lost $838 million that year, despite making 886 million in revenue. So they made almost a billion dollars in revenue and lost almost a billion dollars that same year. And then they estimated, you'll love this because you work with me on projections. You work with me on like estimations for our company. Uh, They estimated that their market, their, their market cap was $3 trillion. And how they got there was they took the number of all Americans working at a desk anywhere. So they said, if you're an American working at a desk, you are in our target market and that is worth $3 trillion. And besides that, Newman himself became an issue um, for what he was doing. But, you know, we could go into that. The movie will cover what he was doing. What, what the issue on the business side is his personality and the company culture was such a big part of pitch to investors. Uh, he told investors they were investing in a human social network, which is basically just people. And the last thing that I'll bring up uh, is the company, the valuation of the company was based on a software model when it actually it was real estate and you're nodding your head. I'm sure that was all covered in the documentaries. So to round out this conversation, Caitlin, I'm going to ask you to uh, ask you, I guess, some more ph- philosophical questions. Okay. Is company culture based on this discussion, more important to hiring and retaining employees, or is company culture more valuable to business owners as a valuation tool for their business? 
which do you think is more important when it comes to company culture? Oh, that's interesting. It's a little bit of a cart and a horse thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. But you said it earlier. It's like, um, it's kind of a recruiting tool a little bit. Hey, we have this kombucha keg and a ping pong table and you get, uh, you know, Facebook has a cafeteria, so your lunches are paid for. And you think that you're gonna utilize all of these things. And in theory, it sounds really great, but how often can you drink kombucha? Like (laughs) that doesn't pay for itself, for me at least. Um, Yeah, no. So I think it's a recruiting tool, um, a valuation tool. I didn't know that actually WeWork valued themselves based off of the company culture. Uh, but what I, what I was nodding my head at was this idea that when you're a private company, you can value yourself at whatever the fuck you want to. Mm. It is a dependent on what the owner sees your worth. And if yep. you have a massive ego, like Adam Newman and his wifey, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. you think you're worth a billion dollars, sorry, $20 billion, of course. Uh, yep. But then as soon as you go public, you actually have to back that up. And uh, so that's kind of why I was nodding my head was just like, mm-hmm. beware, buyers beware of private companies. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's both. I think, okay, so here, here's my thinking is they originally came through with this kind of startup culture that we talked about as a recruitment tool, but it was really coming from the business owners who wanted to build valuation. So they saw it as a tool to build value in your company, which makes sense. I mean, you hire better employees, you find young, eager employees that do better work your company's value is going to go up because you're producing better work. Like it makes sense, but it was exclusively as a tool to recruit new employees. I think the difference now is company culture should be used to retain employees, right? Like we don't really highlight all of the benefits when we're looking to hire someone. I think there's plenty of benefits to working for you and me, right? But we don't really highlight it. We've tried to find someone with experience, with good work, and we really try to roll out new benefits to our current employees to totally. keep them totally. On, totally. on staff. So I think it's just a shift. And I think the pandemic triggered it, but company culture is valuable, is, as I think, to round out the conversation. Do you have any other thoughts? That's all I got for us. Yeah, I think... I mean, you and I were employees not that long ago, like literally, you know, two years ago, I was still working for Nordstrom. Um, And I think when I think about what I want is just like, I want pay and I want a work-life balance. And so in company culture, yes, that's a perk. I absolutely need to get along with my employees. I'm sorry, my coworkers. And I absolutely need to feel like it's a collaborative space, especially in a creative agency where, And that's what I try to do a good job of is like, I really encourage everybody to bring ideas to the table because creative ideas come from everybody. Like absolutely from SEO people. Like you guys just do dry work in the background, back end, but you come up with the most innovative marketing taglines sometimes, (laughs) Uh, you know? And so, yeah. The blind squirrel. The creative process uh, should really involve everybody. So that's, that is important. But at the end of the day, like, fucking pay your employees and give them time off. Like, I think that's what I would want. I don't need a company party. I don't need run DMC. In fact, company parties are fucking awkward. Let's be real about that. Like, okay, yeah, these are all my employees, my my coworkers that I work with from 
Monday through Friday. And now I'm in, I now I have to introduce you to my husband and like, this is my husband. It's small talk for four hours mixed with alcohol. And then you get into the office on Monday and you're like, I'm embarrassed about what I like. You're having moral regrets of the company party. (laughs) Yep. Only bad things. Only I've been to, I've been to enough company Christmas parties to know bad things on both ends on like leadership and an employee and well like, and then i'm I've also just like, thinking of yeah. like you and your co-workers have this bond and this friendship right so you have all these like inside jokes about your workplace and yeah we can laugh and back back and forth about marketing but then you bring an element you bring in your husbands and your wives <laughs> and you have this like extra element this and then, and then there's like an outsider. So you guys yeah. are bantering back and forth and like telling inside jokes, but then like all the outside people are like, this is awkward. I want to go home. Like, I don't yep. know any of these people and you're not doing a good job of introducing me to any of these people. So yeah. I'm just going to drink. I don't yep. know. Sorry. I didn't mean to rant on company parties, but like, that's what it came to, I guess. I think you're, that's my aha moment too. I don't want like, a company party. Yeah, I want to like get paid. It. And yeah, like, Maybe we can have a meet and fly me to fucking Mexico, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, or like pay me to go do whatever I want for a day, a mental yeah. health day. Like that's yeah. way better, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. Right. I hope this podcast, this is going to be on something like 10 years down the road. Someone's going to bring it to our attention and be like, remember when you said this? You know, <laughs> like I hope this the ages well. Forever. Yeah, no. Well, uh, let's hope. Let's yeah. hope. Let's let's manifest that. Um, well, thanks for listening. Uh, we will be posting some follow-ups to our Facebook group, Manipulating the Masses Podcast. Give that a follow. Uh, we'll keep up to date if you have any questions. Or more importantly, if you have any horrible company culture stories, I would be so curious to read them. So go ahead and post some some horrible company culture stories on our Facebook group. We love to take down corporate America. Fuck yeah, as we become one, one of us. You have any plugs to to play today? You got any plugs on your end? You nailed it. All right, plug away. All right, well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Wow. Wow.